0: And welcome to Is This Really For Kids? A podcast where I, Thea Touched and your host, go into depth about children's media. And we discuss, you know, the adult themes in it. The lessons they learned along the way. The fun times they had. Things we liked. Things we didn't like about these movies. What they taught us. How they shaped us. The whole shebang. Today we are going to do... Oof. It's a sad one, you guys. The next two episodes of this season are going to be very, very sad. Uh... Sorry about it. Uh, I actually love sad content. Maybe it's just being depressed after all these years. I feel seen. But today we were doing Grave of the Fireflies, which I don't even think is technically a Studio Ghibli movie, but it gets kind of wrapped in there because it's, like, I think made by the same creator. I don't know all the film history of it. And we'll see if my guest Emily knows. She's kind of more probably expertise in anime than I am. I am so like new. I had a boyfriend who was into it once and so I kind of got into it with them and like I've always liked Sailor Moon and Pokemon and stuff but never like too hardcore. I've only dabbled in anime and being a woo. but I respect it and I'm sure that I will get further along especially as this podcast goes on and on you know. So I can't wait to hear from Emily. I also met her on Hoo-ha-ha, and it will be great to hear what she has to say and what she thinks about this terribly, terribly depressing movie, but it's good. It's really good, I think. Let me tell you a little bit more about Emily too. She is a writer, comic, and entertainer from Dallas, Texas. When there isn't a pandemic to worry about, she performs live at venues across the Metroplex. She loves talking about nerdy movies and is a graduate from Tentured Improv and sketch programs at Dallas Comedy House. R.I.P. And here is Emily now. Tell me about kind of your history with Studio Ghibli,
1: what you like about it, kind of how you fell into it, if you have a favorite movie. I'm a big fan of the studio. And I also know, like, not not a whole lot, but I I did a little research on the animation history behind this film as well. So I didn't really understand that there was a difference between anime and cartoons until I got into about middle school. When I was little, my mom would take me to the library and I would rent movies movies or we would go to Blockbuster. Yeah. And I just thought that stuff like Sailor Moon and Spirited Away were just, you know, they were like Disney movies. They were for kids, specifically because they were animated. I didn't even
0: realize that Sailor Moon was anime, I feel like, until like five years ago. Right?
1: (laughs) And it's so funny because it's like, Say in Sailor Moon in particular, that's a whole other tangent I could get on, which I won't bore you oh, with yeah. today. So
0: but Oh, I'm probably going to review Sailor Moon. So if you want to come back on again and talk about it, I would <gasps> love Yeah, that would be great. Oh my gosh, that would be so <laughs> fun.
1: I have another comedian friend who is also very into Sailor Moon.
0: Oh, it's just so cool. It's, a, Absolutely. it's just a great universe. So, um. Yeah,
1: and so I would, I would rent these movies and I would watch them. And I would never really understand that like, oh, okay, this is from... Like I knew it was, I knew that it was Japanese, right? But that really didn't make a difference to me up until I went to middle school and I started hanging out with a group of friends who were also very into anime. And I feel weird saying this word because a lot of people don't like it, but they were weeb's, you know. Yeah, I know, oh, I love the weeb word, though. <laughs> Absolutely, it's very—it's a it's badge a, of honor. Honestly. You know, a little bit. Yeah, um, it's it's very adequate, I think, to describe. Like, especially the lack of self-awareness that we had in enjoying the genre, I think that it was pretty (laughs) appropriate to describe us. So the short of it is, is that, you know, that's kind of how I got into it. And then I started learning more about, oh, this is a whole genre that I can explore. Awesome. And I was already a massive Disney nerd, you know, and I was starting to get interested in animation from America from, like, the Mm -hmm. 70s and 80s. Not necessarily Disney, but, like, some of the more independent and quote-unquote, like, more content made less... For children and more for adults, right? And and I sort of slowly weighed my made my way through the Studio Ghibli lexicon, and I didn't know about Grave of the Fireflies until like college, where I was seeing a gentleman at the time, and <laughs> I thought that he was just the coolest person in the world. And he told me, "You haven't seen Grave of the Fireflies? Oh, you have to! It's so good!" and and I was like, "Oh, okay, sure." And I watched it, and it I, I mean, I was in college, right? So I had no... I watched it, but I didn't really understand what I was watching. You know, at the time, it registered to me as, oh, okay, this is a sad movie, but I wanted to be, like, the cool, edgy girl. So I was like, well, yeah, but it wasn't that sad. And and yeah. cut to, I, I you know, the, I, the older I got, the more I realized, mm-hmm. like, this is... Oh the gravity of this is terrifying. This is this is so horrible and as I as I kind of became more aware of, you know, yeah. the spectrum of human emotion and suffering, <laughs> I guess you'd say. And then cut to like this watch through where it I timed it, it took me 3 minutes to tear up. Yeah. <laughs> this is it's so rough. Yeah. That's so funny you say that, too.
0: I think when I watched it, I was just... I, this was, like, before, too. I don't think people appreciate now how easy it is to, like, have an HBO subscription and watch Studio Ghibli movies. It used to be, like, hard. It used to be a challenge to, I feel like, get this content. Right. But i remember i think it was just like on youtube the first time i watched it and i was like oh it's like a studio ghibli movie right like it's it's probably gonna be cool and like i'll probably feel things but you'll feel like that kind of like floatiness that i feel like you want like you feel like detached you know what i mean when you're watching this world you feel like transported when you watch a studio ghibli movie and i was like yes i got i think into like you know halfway through grave of the fireflies and i was like oh my god like it's not gonna get any better is it <laughs> like I was just and then i don't no. even think i think the Movie too, like you have to rewatch it multiple times because it's just so there's so much going on that I think your brain is just like, nope, I'm not doing it.
1: I'm not going to participate. Exactly. It is, and that's a challenge in and of itself because it's so it's so difficult to watch, and it's it's really fascinating that that suffering is such a spectrum, you know. I had no idea that dire straits Mm -hmm. could become so grim until I watched this movie as an adult. And you're absolutely right. Compared to the rest of Studio Ghibli's works, all of the whimsy is taken out of it, you know? And if you need any proof that animated films are for people of all ages, Grave of the Fireflies is absolutely proof Yeah, of
0: that. for sure. There's only, mm-hmm. like, one moment of whimsy that I can think in this movie, and it's when they're, like, at the beach. And mm-hmm. that's, like, the only thing. And even then, like, you can, like, see that they have burns and stuff, and it's just, yeah, it's so intense. Oh, for sure. So I always thought it was very interesting that they like said the date of the movie and that it's like 1995 right that's the year that I was like born so it's so weird to me that it's it's like not that far away for me still you know because I feel like usually Studio Ghibli movies they just feel like they're not even in the same universe or time period yeah so this one was like it was very interesting to me about like the date for whatever reason because I feel like most of them too usually aren't dated they kind of keep themselves out of that thing, right? Like, they always try to have that timeless feel that I feel like sometimes Disney movies have too. Right.
1: And I think that... Uh, uh, just another a point of interesting information as as you go into this movie, and if and if anybody listening is a fan of Studio Ghibli movies, this was produced. This was animated by Studio Ghibli, but it was done for a different parent
0: company. Yeah, it's not technically a Studio Ghibli movie, but it's like yeah, it's, right. It goes in there, you know. They throw it in there anyway on HBO. So I'm, sure, I'm just loping it, and because know? it's
1: based off of a semi autobiographical work, I think that that also sort of adds. A little like going if you go into if you go into the film knowing that that gives you even more it gives it more yeah import. I didn't
0: even know it was I was assuming mm-hmm. that it's probably because I just realized literally like five weeks ago that most studio Ghibli movies are based on books and I had no idea. I was like, oh, they they're not just like made up from wonderful minds. So I was like, I guess it is a wonderful mind still with the book. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean and right away this movie is like nineteen ninety five, this date, that's the night I died. Right? We're not it's not Totoro, there's no cat bus. There's no like cool dragon. Although I do think in Spirit Away when the pigs when their parents turn into pigs, it's like very, I get very disturbed. Oh, for sure.
1: But. It's, and it's so interesting because normally, right, when you, and as, and this goes for like any type of Japanese media, I think, and it, it shows up in ho- Japanese horror a lot too. What the Japanese feel is horrific is very different than like the conventional American horrific. Yeah. Um. You. you like, I mean, we think of like Camp oh, Crystal yeah. Lake and what I would consider like very cheesy stuff um but yeah
0: Mm mm-hmm lots of like we're more I feel like slasher and they I feel like are so like it's like so psychological way more so and more about like and any pain I feel like in Japanese horror is like so methodical and slow and very like scientific it's no saw Mm -hmm. by any means (laughs) um But I think, like, the thing that also stuck with me, because I don't know, how, do you have, like, a really, does Dallas have a huge homeless problem? Yes. Okay. I was wondering, I've only, like, kind of driven through Dallas. I've never lived in the area. I'm originally from, I was, grew up in, like, Odessa, Texas, and then I lived in Amarillo for a bit. I gotcha.
1: So, so you're more familiar with the rural part. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... Uh, Just very briefly, because this is tangential, but I I grew up in a dense suburb called Plano, which is north of Dallas.
0: Okay, yeah, I know where Plano is. Right, and
1: now I live in uh, Deep Ellum, which is a historic neighborhood downtown, and two blocks away from me, under a bridge, is one of the largest homeless camps in Dallas. Dallas right now obviously like it's not populated right now thank goodness because uh, thank goodness everybody got into a shelter I think or at least most everybody evacuated to go find oh um, Oh my god I didn't even
0: think about that it's because I live we have like a we have a huge homeless problem in Los Angeles obviously Mm -hmm. and that's why like I think the beginning of this movie just, like, really sticks with me because it's, like, we pass homeless people on the street every day and there's been, like, a bunch of times it's, like, I don't know if they're dead or sleeping or just exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, I don't know what the proper protocol is. Like, I don't want to call the police on them and then a police brutality case results, right? Like, it's, like, I don't want to make life any harder for them. So in this movie it's like so profound because he's just like it's like on a subway and all of these people are passing and it's like so eerily silent and like nobody's even looking at him and it's just like there's just something about human cruelty in this movie that just like shatters my heart that was
1: the thing (laughs) that shocked me the most about this is that it's and, you know, it's not just that he's homeless for me, right? If there's, like, that that, mm-hmm. that you have to unpack with, like, all of the classism that comes with, you know, dealing with a homeless population. But also the fact that he is a child, you know? Yeah. Um. It, I, don't, I don't believe they specify his age in the movie, but in the book, he is said to be in ninth grade. So, um, grades work a little bit differently in Japan. So, I think that that means that, I can't remember if it's one up or one down, but he's either he's 13 to 15 years old right yeah
0: he's a teenager yeah. so
1: the fact that this you know this subway worker is just like oh hey um this one's dead so I guess I'll just rifle through his pockets you know <laughs> like does does like I know that there are lots of dead people around you and you deal with this every day but it's so shocking how desensitized people can get to this type of thing. Especially when the problem becomes prevalent enough. Yeah. But anyway,
0: what also, like, just what made him homeless too, and just the impact of thinking about, like, your house just being bombed. And not even your house, your entire town. Like, it just being, going up in flames one day. And it, you know, like, because they didn't even, it didn't seem like they had, like, any warnings that the bombs were going to come. At least from the movie's perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can't even... I, well, I mean, like, we're... I feel like we're also so separated from it as well because there's never been... A, apart from 9-11, there hasn't really been an attack on American soil. So just... And, and especially, for sure. like, for downtown, like, the, you know, the the tower with the ball on top. Like, imagining that falling is impossible to me. Like, I can't... I can't even feel saddened by the idea because I can't conceive yeah. that happening. And so for him to just walk around and with his sister on his back and go, oh, hey, yeah. that's where Civic Hall used to be. We had lunch there, yeah. like, so casually.
0: Yeah, what? Yeah, as it's like, as the ground is literally, like, indebted from just being radiated mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. It's so, and just, like, the chaos of, like, people running everywhere. Like, honestly, I was also very impressed by both his and his sister's, like, spirit of perseverance because i feel like if this happened to me and i feel like most americans would do the same thing as like i feel like we just give oh, up sure. and cry you know what i mean like we just sit there and be like it well it's over right, right? like this right. is the end and as oh. far
1: as the whimsy goes you're absolutely right all the silence right up top and then the only whimsical thing that we see is clearly his spirit and finding his sister and hopping on that train and going to you know the next part of their story, so it's sort of like his spirit is having to relive his life and and like just revisit all of that hardship. And so even even what I would argue is the most whimsical, like plot device of the story being on yeah. that spiritual train, even that has all of the joy sucked out of it. And and if you want a comparison to other movies, and, and in there's another Studio Ghibli movie called Spirited Away that uses trains as kind of like a metaphor for, you know, the hero's journey or, like, traveling to another part of the spirit world. And I'm not sure whether that's... This is where my ignorance comes in. I don't know whether that's part of Japanese culture or whether that's Mm -hmm. just, like, a common plot device. But if you, like, two very similar things showing up in uh, two movies made by the same company but in very different ways.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting, too, because he often takes... The characters in Studio Ghibli, they usually are like without their parents. Something has happened to them where these kids are pretty much like alone and isolated, which is very powerful, I feel like. And usually it's due to like even more. And I guess mm-hmm. Disney kind of does the same thing. It's like usually the main character is an orphan, right? Is this thing. But in Studio Ghibli too, it's like even with this one, it's his dad is right. apparently off at war, and you, and I think pretty soon on the audience starts to realize like I think his dad's dead right but he himself the like brother doesn't doesn't ever really admit that doesn't we never really know we never really I feel like know for certain what happened to him but his mom is like at that shelter and that's just like oh that's just brutal too to not even be by like being so young and not being by your family. When those bombs are falling down and having to basically, like, be the man of the house, which is already a struggle pre-even pre, pre even bombs. The brother having to be the man of the house because the dad is out at, you know, serving his country. And that's already tough enough. And then to be like, okay, now I'm in charge of my little sister when I'm not even done growing up myself. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and and see, that was kind of the thing. That's And this is also where I think the cultural disconnect comes in, because I didn't understand why the mom left them, right? And I suppose that it's a good thing that she did, because she ended up, you know, paying the ultimate price for, yeah. you know, leaving them behind. but she she left her children you know and so i never really understood like well why is she why is she leaving them behind i don't know and it may not matter at all yeah
0: i think like i i'm assuming that she was gonna probably come home at night i'm sure that they didn't like live entirely by themselves i think she just like either worked at the shelter or or was doing something. Uh we never have all the details in a Studio Ghibli film. I feel like there's always <laughs> so much to wonder at. Right. But yeah, and it's like, uh, it was so insane to, to just even think about like the dust from everything just being destroyed in your eyes and the like hurt. Like they did not shy away from anything in this animation. And it felt like so real, right? And mm-hmm. I like I don't even know if you could feel as real as if you did this live action. <laughs> right.
1: And the only The only thing that I can, at at least for me, my family's from Louisiana, and so in 2005, Katrina, they were part of the area that Hurricane Katrina, like, wiped out.
0: Oh, man, yeah. I went Um, and visited, and it's insane to see, like, they, like, keep the signs where the water was, and
1: thinking about the water being that high is, oh, mm -hmm. it's so overwhelming. Yeah, and I, there's... I, I certainly won't share here because I don't want to traumatize anybody who listens, but, but like we Too have, late. this like, would be sad. Oh, for sure. Like if you've, if you clicked on this podcast and you were you, expecting, Oh, this will yeah. be a joyful romp through an animated <laughs> film. Um, you've got another thing coming. Yeah, you were sadly mistaken. Right. Um, but yeah. And I, I remember thinking like, uh, you know, in one of my subsequent watchings of this film sometime in the last five years, I remember thinking, Oh wait, that's why this looks so familiar and why I'm so detached to this is because I've already seen my hometown kind of be oh wow leveled. And to be fair, I didn't live in Louisiana when all of that happened. I've, um, I have been, I had been in Dallas since I was, you know, since about 2000. Yeah. But, um, but that was where grandma's house was, you know, yeah. that was where I would spend my summers. And, um,
0: yeah that's an extreme degree like that's still I remember like I go to see my childhood house and they've like painted a terrible color and cut down my favorite tree and that's still traumatic right so to come and it be like mm-hmm. just destroyed by a hurricane right all of your memories because you never especially when you're a child and you and even just in like real life you never like go past a place and think well I'm never gonna be able to not come back right and it's gonna be it's probably you don't think about how much like architecture and like life changes right and that things are not always preserved right you think that you can just come back at any time sometimes and things will just be as you left them right and it's just not always the way of the world unfortunately
1: yeah absolutely and it's and what's and I think that, especially in the beginning, it's so fascinating watching these children deal with that concept. Um, after, um, I, I believe that it's after we kind of see all of, yeah, they, they don't shy away from anything. Um, the Like, the little sister is kind of pulling out her money, like, oh, hey, look, I can solve all these problems. I have three <laughs> coins in my bag. We're fine. You yeah. know, like, it, it lightens the mood until you realize that, Oh no! three coins in their bag exactly yeah. and she has zero concept of anything that's what what's going on and even yeah. though the brother has like more of a concept of it excuse me i'm sorry i want to use his name but um i know um, i can't remember it seta um, seta okay, okay. the brother's name is seta the sister's name is setsuko, setsuko um, yeah and even though seta kind of has a better grasp of the mortal implications of this he still exhibits like a very teenage boy's concept of nationalism right like he he looks like he's watching one of the planes go by and he's literally shaking his fist and saying that my father will make you pay for this yeah right i mean because that's what his dad and that's like kind of that's that age where
0: you emulate your dad you know like you're in his dad is his his kind of idol too uh, and and I feel like in Japanese culture, the father respect is, like, very, very heavy emphasis. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, like, it's just, like, very important to them. That's, like, a family that you value the head of your household. Uh, probably especially when he's fighting for your country during a particularly nasty war. Yeah, and it's just insane. Like, I can't imagine being that little and there's, like, all of these bodies being carted around. And, uh, when they show them, their mom, and she's, like, all bandaged and bloody and, like, making, like, a, like, you know, like, that terrible, like, death <gasps> oh, rattle sound. Her oh, breathing. my god! Oh. No, it's so intense. It is
1: so intense. Like, Man, that, like, I even wrote that down. Yeah. Breathing. Ugh. And it's, it's oh. so fascinating because, and this is another opportunity to compare this to My Neighbor Totoro, because, yeah. um... Just a, a little bit more historical context. The cinematic debut of this movie was... uh, It was a double feature with My Neighbor Totoro. What? <laughs> yup. <laughs> and the only reason... And, and I mean, of course, people left the theater. Because this was so graphic. And the only thing that saved the movie was the merch sales from My Neighbor Totoro. Wow. Um, so... And and if you are familiar with and for anybody listening who's fami- who is not familiar with my neighbor Totoro, um, the one of the overarching plot devices is um, these two children are in a family with uh, their father, but their mother is in a hospital in the city, and she has mm-hmm. some kind of mysterious undefined illness. But the particular difference here is that. The girl's mother is, like, she's dealing with this chronic mysterious illness, but when they visit her, she's not hooked up to anything. Yeah. She has all of her hair. She's in She's good- just
0: weak, is what yeah. you can just tell from, like, the voice acting and the, like, the way that the animation is drawn and the way she kind of moves. She just feels really weak. But this mm-hmm. mom, oh my god, this mom is, like, American Horror Story level of, like, it's just gory and bloody and, like... Which right sad it's just sad like i mean there's you can't you cannot look at this animation of the mom and be like
1: yeah she's gonna be fine you know what i mean like you're <laughs> For like sure it is it is a very realistic depiction of a burn victim and i think that it's and i and i do not think that that is a criticism either and so this and i i don't think that this is a criticism and i i don't think that her being so graphically depicted depicted as a criticism because it's It's important for this story, right? Because this, like, and it's- it's. Oh, yeah. This child is experiencing this. We need the people who are watching to experience this as well. And even more, for me anyway, even more horrific than the gore that they show is that aftermath of that bleak orange-yellow landscape where he's trying to cheer his sister up. That's- so it, and i think that that's oh, yeah. one wonderful thing about animation is that that would be so difficult to do in a live action film and i don't know that it would have the same impact and it, it reminded me a lot of other post-war paintings from europe like i believe it's like Godie i believe he you he depicted a lot of like he was yeah. a spanish painter and he did a lot of war scenes that used yellow and orange for the landscape And um, it kind of stood out to me that, oh, wow, this is like a cross-cultural thing that Mm -hmm. um, that that's a sign of a desolation. Yeah, yeah. I I guess it's funny to me because I'm so
0: desensitized to that landscape because that was like, I pretty much lived in a desert town for a bunch of times. Like, this was Odessa before the oil boom, so it was just like... You know, dusty sand, the grass was patchy, you know, the sun's, the sky was always kind of, it was just never like a very like lush, beautiful place. So I, Mm -hmm. so that stuff like, it just is like Star Wars to me. You know what I mean? It just like looks like, oh, this is just a different planet, right? But it's, for them, it is like a totally different like culture shock. Like, this is not the world that they grew up in and yeah it's oh it's so intense i honestly though despite how heavy this movie is i do feel like it is still i i maybe wouldn't have a six-year-old watch this right i probably wouldn't have anybody i but i feel like the kids in the brother's age that like i think a 13 year old to you know anybody under 18 and obviously over 18 too could watch this and i think have an understanding and mm-hmm. it be impactful and kind of I think also make
1: you feel grateful for what you have, right? Like holy crap, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think uh, I think that maybe a mature american middle schooler could handle this if you yeah. watched the movie and talk with them about it afterwards oh yeah
0: you should definitely have a discussion about this movie i think oh, point yes. blank with anybody you cannot just watch
1: this movie you will not be okay you need to talk about this <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> for sure even if it's whether it's whether it is with your child or with your therapist I mean. yes <laughs> um, yeah and I, th- I think that especially in i don't know whether you um i don't know whether you went to a public school in texas but the Oh, yeah, cool. I did. Yeah. For us the curriculum was we were introduced to the idea of World War 2 in English in Um, like in an English class in like, uh, I want to say seventh grade. And it was just us reading about like somebody's personal account of it. And then we kind of moved into like the historical part of it. And just for that alone, and I I was planning on talking about this later, but what the heck, this is how the conversation is flowing. So here we go. Um, So I (laughs) I think that it is good to sort of show this historical event from a non-American perspective, right? Because... It's, you know, I I don't think that it's terribly disputable to say that America has a history of censoring itself um, and its own, (laughs) yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I I remember, it was around, like, 13
0: when they started doing the Holocaust stuff, and I do remember that I also learned about it in English class, but it was also, like, there were still pictures, and those, like, black and white photographs of, like, the bodies just being piled in, like, just these huge crater-like graves, these, like, mass burials, always has been, like, haunting to me. Just, like, and how gaunt they were. Like, they literally, like, made all of these people thin. Obviously, this was mm-hmm. more Germany. I feel like, in at least in my, like, history in English class and public education experience, I feel like I did not get a lot about the Japanese side of the story or really, like... What we had to do with Japan, it was, like, basically Pearl Harbor, right? And that was so brief. And I feel like the bunch of the extent was just, like, Germany's whole deal and what they did. But it was still, like, just so... I mean, those pictures that they show you are, like, they are scarring enough. But this, like this movie took you on, like, the emotional toll, I feel like, of getting to that place of, like, hollow death, right? Of Like, like how this brother is at the top of the movie. He is, like, so skinny and gaunt, and it's not just, it's also, like, it is from, like, malnutrition and not having a home and having, like, no community to go, but
1: it's also, like, it's, like, emotionally on their face having gone through it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, and, of course, like, art, can art's interesting because you can kind of you can hype up a narrative if you want to or you can alter the way that things go but i feel like this is a very honest conversation about what people go through right and uh, mm-hmm. the director has said that um i can't remember who, now hang on i'm gonna feel bad if i don't at least mention his name yeah. um it was directed by. Although you're probably uh, gonna do, do, pronounce do, 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 him do. his name better than I ever will. I'm so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a little ashamed of uh of uh, how much of a weeb I am that I that I no, can at least somewhat pronounce. That is pride, dude. You need to take <laughs> it, you need, That is a good skill to have. I'm like. Thank <laughs> like, you. I can't wait. Um, uh, his name is Isao Takahata. Okay.
0: Isao Takahata. Takahata.
1: And he has said that this is not an anti-war movie. It's more of um like the war is one thing, right? But really what kills these children yeah. is a lack of compassion. And and even you said in your notes a broken system. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too is like their mom needs to go to the hospital, right? It's not they're like the doctor like plainly tells these kids is like there's not much we can do for her here. She needs to go to the hospital, and there's no way I think to even get her
1: to one. What are they, there's no way they can't do it. He even says like, well, she uh, she's gonna have to go on the truck because it's yeah. so warm. <sighs> well, guess that's that, and the. Oh man, this gosh! The, uh, just to you know, the, to go back to like the that kind of turning point where he's on the train yeah. again, and I think that this is this is why this is a good movie to watch with your children if you do watch it because mm-hmm. you you know I think that any adult can tell the minute that he is on that train his mother has died right? Like, he's he's got the box with her ashes in it, but I don't think that a child, particularly an American yeah. one, would pick up on that, because that's just not, you know, oh, he's on a train with a box. I guess he's just traveling. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: and I feel like cremation is a debate in America still, right? I feel like the proper thing for America is that they would have a burial, right? And it's not, you know what I mean? You would not even think about like, oh, I'm gonna carry ashes around, right? I feel like that's kind of It's not very mainstream yet to do, even though I know people do it. Right, it's certainly more common
1: for people to want to be buried, whether they're embalmed or not. And America has like a very unhealthy attitude towards death. And I think that being shown like, oh, this is how this child uh, like is coping with his mother's death. Yes. And uh, I'm sort of getting ahead of myself here, but as, let me back up. So he's on this train and he hides the box, right? Like, he's not ready... You think that, oh, okay, he's protecting his sister, but he's not ready to admit that his mother has died, you know? Yeah. Not to his aunt. And, and Like, not to his aunt, not to his sister, and certainly not to himself. So it's sort of commendable, right? Because he... Yeah. The only form of reliability in this movie is that this brother wants to make his sister happy and keep her safe. It's very futile, For sure, but yeah. it's admirable, and... I I think that this would be a really good conversation point with a child to say, well, how do you think he should have dealt with that? How do you think that we should deal with death? And if you have that, then you can at least start to give your child a little bit more of a positive relationship with death and so one of the uh is a Mm -hmm. channel called ask a mortician on youtube she operates a few her name is caitlin Doty, and um she's written a couple books and she operates a funeral home out of california that um does uh they do very like very eco-friendly funerals so caskets that don't have like Mm. um that are like uh, responsibly sourced oh that's awesome yeah, I like the burial
0: options of, I would always like, you can like put mm-hmm. your ashes and then become a tree. So you still have that thing that like families can visit you, but you're not like, you know, taking up gravestone, right. another plot of land, right? Like there are, I think there are so many more creative ways to um, be buried nowadays. For sure. And I believe that
1: there's, great, I, yeah. I for the life of me, I couldn't tell you exactly what, it, or at least I I don't feel comfortable stating Something uh, about the cultural implications of cremation, but yeah. I believe that it's Im- it's it's a part of Shinto is to to be cremated, and so to hide something that's so important, yeah, it it speaks a lot. It's just a very interesting character development, and like I said, a very interesting plot point. Um, but yeah, and so mm-hmm. that sort of skirted along, or he sort of skirts the boundary of ethics there um and even like man when he when he brings the food to his aunt i just i i wanted to ooh i wanted ooh i could have punched yeah. something because
0: they dig it up right they like dig it up from the earth which is like you know, usually if something in America falls on the ground, right, we're not going to pick it back up and eat it. Like, that's how, like, spoiled we are. So to think of this, like, kid going around and, like, basically digging through the ashes, ashes of people, buildings, the bombits and, like, finding as many rations as they possibly can is insane to me to mm-hmm. think about. Like, I can't even. I am like, and I wonder, like, I mean, it's got to impact the taste of the food. There's no way, right? Like...
1: The way you I think food. that in this time period it's it was a little more common for suburban homes to store food that way because I know that that's how homemade soy products are made and it's actually kind of interesting that oh. the, um that they had pickled plums in there as well because that's a food item that was referenced in uh, parasite the uh, the Korean film that I believe it it, it won like oh, best wow. movie of the year right yeah mm-hmm um, yeah
0: it won so much yeah, yeah it was so awesome particularly yeah, was the types of pivotal, food that yeah. were
1: buried um and the fact that like even the aunt mentions oh wow butter you can't get this for anything now you know and then she promptly eats it like yeah. doesn't give him any of it which ugh, ooh, absolute worst
0: she's the worst she is so and it's hard too because at the beginning i mean she she's very subtle with how terrible she is. At first, you're like, okay, she's kind of strict, right? But that might be good, you know? And clearly, it's necessary because the, these are crazy times, right? These are war times. You can kind of understand for somebody being overprotective, right? You read her strictness as being overprotective. And then mm-hmm. it just gets, like, mean, right? Very it just cruel. gets cruel so quickly. And, like, at the turn, I honestly... To me, I feel like, and obviously I'm not a therapist, so I have no credibility, but it feels like the aunt to me is like suffering from a mental illness because she is so cruel and it's like it's just not is like has like either like these mean voices in her head. And that is like the only yeah, justification. I, I will that say, I, can think um, of. I am not
1: a therapist either. Um I've I have had to deal with narcissists in my personal life. Yeah. And she pretty much fits the bill. There's stuff that comes later in the plot that's pretty that pretty mm. much proves my point. But right off the bat, it's kind of like you can kind of tell that she's not like a super great person. But even even after that interaction, like that those small moments of him like being out in nature by himself, uh, Sato like washing his face and stuff were. Clearly, he's, like, having to schlep all of this food back, and times are really hard, but that simple moment was, like, a happy time for him. And occasionally, we, like, in throughout the rest of this movie, we see more of those happy moments. And... Yeah. So, well, in any case, it's clear that he doesn't want his sister to know about his mom died, and he even, like, takes her out and makes sure that she has a great night. They play with the fireflies, they Mm -hmm. run around, he tries to teach her how to catch them and it's almost like the only times that they're genuinely happy is when they're separated from the system and they're out in nature, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and like water is a big source of joy in this like even though there's like one point I remember like one scene where they have this like broken plumbing and it's like literally just water spouting from a pipe and they like drink it and they're having like fun with it which is Mm -hmm. insane right like such an American I mean like I don't know I feel like any American would be like I can't drink from that right like they're so we are so spoiled certainly not now like it is very yeah i feel like if your kid was struggling with like gratefulness or you know any sort of thing this is the movie mm-hmm. to show them right this is the movie to be like listen other people have had it really bad right there are so there's so much right. to be thankful for in uh, these and moments he,
1: and, the, and sato even casually mentions well like when in response to the aunt being an absolute nag mm-hmm. he, he even <sighs> yes. casually mentions well i don't know what to do the I would go to school, but my school burned down. And my dad hasn't replied. Yeah. And then, of course, like, the aunt immediately knows, well, he's dead. I guess I'm responsible for these kids now.
0: Yeah. right. And she's pissed about it, too. She is, like, not... It is not, like... And she doesn't even hide that from them, too. She doesn't have, like, even the... Which is why I feel like there's some sort of emotional problem going on. Because she doesn't... Like, I feel like most adults around children know, like, oh, this is a kid. Even though I'm feeling this way, I've got to, like, put it on pause, right? Take care of them first.
1: And then I can, like, go away into a room and feel what I'm feeling. And there's, like, just a total lack of empathy. And I I don't understand it at all. And even, and there's some stuff that she does that I don't know if there's, like, a cultural disconnect. Like, when she gives whoever that war official is bowl of stew with rice in it but only gives the boy broth you know i sort of i i do not know whether that's like a cultural thing or if it's good manners but what it comes down to is like, she is now being a dick.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: And and then Absolutely. when she's in the bomb shelter, she, like, brags about it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking care of these orphans, man. And they're just, they just mm-hmm. lost their mother. Isn't that sad? To be honest, though, that interaction
0: reminds me of so many, like, I, I grew up in a very, like, religious community. And that reminds me of so many Christians. Like, there's this one story that my aunt always tells about her friend who was, like, giving sandwiches at the homeless shelter and she was like a homeless man comes up and is like can I have another can I have a sandwich and she's like well did you already have one and he's like yes and she's like well because you were honest I'll give you another one and it's like you're not here to teach like them morals right you're here to like take care of this is not the time especially like it is so hard for human beings to learn whilst in crisis right You you need like you gotta give people to okay there is a hierarchy of needs it is like scientifically and psychologically proven for a reason if you don't have that stability you can't really work on the other things i mean like you can but it's always going to be uneven because you don't have a solid ground foundation and this aunt like never gives that to these children she never gives them like a safe space it always feels like she is going to kick them out at any moment
1: Mm -hmm. yeah this is sort of you know, some of the evidence that indicates some type of narcissism, right? she mm-hmm. she thinks that they should do X, y, and z, and she doesn't really exhibit a whole lot of compassion. But you know, if and but you're absolutely right, like with your story, you know, like the point of compassion is not to make the person who you're being compassionate to better. The point is to ease their suffering. You know, because suffering is not something that comes to you because of your actions, right? It ha- It's it's a human experience. So anyway, uh, so- sorry, I got on my soapbox yeah. for a little bit. but
0: <laughs> No, you're fine. It's great. I mean, I think this stuff is important and sometimes is just, there's not a lot of people always talk about it. So I think that's like part of the reason why I had this podcast is I really did want to talk about like people's morals and what we really believe and stand for. I love that. Yeah. Wonderful. And I love, uh, I think they have that, like, beautiful day by the ocean. And I always thought it was so interesting, too, because, like, in an American cartoon, right, Zatsuko, she like she doesn't have a shirt on, right? And she's like this young girl. She's like a toddler girl. I was like a toddler girl, and I know at times I ran without my shirt off. But I think about like in American cartoons, right, that would never happen. They would never allow that, right? They would be like, Nope, absolutely not, that girl. You must draw her with the mm. shirt on. And I thought that was so like such an interesting culture thing. Cause it's like she's a kid, right? And there's no there is no like sexualization. It's just like these kids having a A moment of release In this huge thing And it's gonna be brief too After like the next plot point But And and then even in their moment of release You can see And I think this is like Really the only time That I remember it being visible But they're like you see, like, these red splotches on them and they're burns. Like, they're burns from the bombs, I think, or, like, the radiation in the air. And it's, like... And I don't know. I keep looking at them like, are those for life, right? I guess Mm -hmm. they are for life, right? So this is... These, like, poor children already living with this, like scars and disfigurements,
1: right? Yeah, well, they certainly didn't go away by the yeah, time this oh kid died. Oh my god, died, we'll put right? it that way. yeah. But yeah, and I, I found that very interesting as well, because, like, they don't, you know, I mean, they don't they don't draw her with nipples. You know, they don't make yeah. a big deal out of it. They draw both of them in a bath at some point. And I think that uh, there's this happens in Sailor Moon as well, when things debut in America, they make specific changes because Americans can't handle being naked. Like, we freak <laughs> out about it a lot. It's and so even in, weird. <laughs> and like, a, a tangential, but in Sailor Moon, there's a scene where, um, I can't remember the name of the character, but in one of the episodes, they go to a bathhouse. And in the original cut, they show, like, the outline of her body under the water, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, there's, I, I I won't, you know, we could get into that at another time. Like, whether that's, like, morally reprehensible or not. But for the American version of that same episode, they blurred it oh out totally. Yeah. There is also a lesbian relationship in Sailor Moon that did not make the cut in America. Wow. That's um, disappointing. Because for me, yeah. I think,
0: and I think, like, the whole problem with, like, I think part of the problem with, like, rape culture and why we're having so many issues like that is because we have like really repressed all senses of nudity. But there are so many times in your life where I feel like naked doesn't equal lustful. Like that is such a puritanical value that really, you know, it's, and it's fine if you want to believe that I feel like, but it, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't deter in your health because it's like, sometimes you're naked in front of the doctor, right? And it's not a sexual situation. Sometimes you're naked because you're taking a shower and it's not a sexual situation. It's like a health based thing and and i feel like sometimes there's this disconnect i i've seen from people who who value modesty so much it's like they're not in touch with their like natural self and i feel like they often get into more health problems because you know you're like always constantly covering up and avoiding the like ugliness but it's like that is being naked is like a part of being human, right? And it's and it mm-hmm. shouldn't always be like sexualized, in my opinion. But for sure, yeah. and even the fact that we have to have this
1: conversation yeah, is sort of you know indicative. It feels, indicative. So dumb.
0: <laughs> it feels yeah. and especially like it, it's so long. And even now we're like we're learning that like Emily Dickinson might have been like a lesbian, right? And even like all of these like nineteenth century figurines of like people that we've <laughs> we've painted as like modest and prude, right? We're off, you know being a human being and, like, falling in love and, and getting their boobs right. They were, like, doing risky things or, like, things that weren't, uh, quote unquote, pure, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. like, this is this part of being human, I feel like. Um And it's dumb to, like, pretend that it it's not something that people were doing, you know? That it's, like, this right. new craze. I do feel like because of the repression, we're, like, in a different, we're, like, totally far forward and, like, maybe going to the opposite of the extreme, but also we repressed it, so.
1: Very true. And even, like, the next thing that happens at the beach... Oh, yeah. ...where uh, Setsuko sees um, the dead man between the two
0: boats. And I hate this, too, because it's, like, there's this moment of happiness, and it's, like, just kidding, reality
1: is still here. People are dying, right? All around you. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is, I think, you know, and it's... And I think that really, like, the... The problem, or there isn't a, not not a problem with the film itself, but, like, the underlying issue there is that in addition, like, in addition to, like, nudity and all the other things that Americans have problems with, we, like, you know, I think that part of the human condition is that we consider death to be, uh, like, a bad thing. Yeah. Right? Um, Because, and especially here, Seiko didn't try to explain to his sister that that's a dead body. And I don't know mm-hmm. how he died, but we should probably leave and respect him. His The way that he took care of it was... Don't look at that. And he just kind of guided her away.
0: Yeah. Well, and my question is, has anyone even talked to him Mm. about death? Right? Probably not. Probably not. He's young. Like, I don't even know. And how can you talk about something if you've never had the experience to talk about it? Which I think this movie, like, if you were watching it for this kid, this is a perfect excuse with very low consequences. Because these people, like, aren't real in your real life. Right? They're not really people that you know. But you can kind of, like start the conversation which is going to make other conversations that will unfortunately come in the future because death is a part of life Mm -hmm. easier yeah yeah okay we're good we're good (laughs) i know it's so hard it's so hard it's and it's also just it's one of those things too that i think a lot of parents struggle with everybody struggles with of like Kids have to grow up, right? And it's and it's brutal and it's hard growing up and there cuz there are so many things in the world that are just like ugly and rough and you want to like preserve that innocence and I think everybody has feelings of like no nostalgia where they want to go back to that innocent moment of time before they knew all of these things that that are true right and it and just because they're true doesn't make them nice right it, it's this like hard truth can sometimes be very hard mm-hmm. to swallow but I can understand of like There's so much bad going on and kind of like the joy of keeping his sister innocent is something to hold on to as well, right? Because that can bring him joy because if his sister can live in this bubble, he can like sometimes pretend and forget. And I feel like sometimes a lot of parents do that with their children, right? Like it's a good way to escape from just like the the humdrum of adult life.
1: Absolutely. And that's another, it, it would be like a great thematic question to ask your child. Do you think that Sata? do you think that Seta should have told Setsuko that 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 was a dead body? You know, like what, you know, and at least like getting it doesn't really matter how they answer, but just even getting them thinking about that question, I think, is much healthier than, you know, just letting them come to their own, yeah, and letting them come to their own conclusions. And I think that even people my age, I have some friends who don't like talking about death positivity because they're afraid of it. Not talking. Yeah. And I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't a little nervous about the prospect of dying, but it happens to everybody. Like, why, why bother putting it off? Mm -hmm. Like, or, you know, or not, not, not put, I don't mean why bother putting off dying. (laughs) I mean, why? Yeah. Uh, Don't kill yourselves. Nobody listening to this kill yourself. (laughs) No, I understand. (laughs) That's
0: great. Yeah, no, I think I'm, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, please stay alive. We need you. But yeah, it's like, well, it's this thing to, I think it's just so hard to process because nobody really will never really know all about it. It will always kind of be a mystery because it's not like the dead can come back and be like, well, this is how it was like, right? And even even people having near-death experiences are like being mm-hmm. resuscitated back to life, that's like, we don't know. Right. You know what I mean? They haven't been, there's not a lot of, people who can speak on that right of like of that stuff so i also feel man it's so hard Mm. too and like one of the next scenes where the aunt i think she's like selling her mothers the their clothes uh and this it hurts and obviously the sister knows that something's wrong she she has to know and even so i think about like there's sometimes where like I've gotten pieces from like my aunt or clothes that my mom used to wear and like I didn't maybe keep all of them. There's like a couple that I've kept, but that is like some meaning and significance for I feel like girls, you know what I mean? Especially when they're younger is to like have mom's clothes, right? Even just to have them just as like a token and a memory Mm -hmm. and also just because it's just, there's something cool about like my mother wore this and now I'm wearing this. There's something cool about a heirloom, you know? and. All of that and uh, the fact and her aunt is so, just so mean about it and she's just crying and it, it like becomes that like the sister is annoying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, if this and aunt was ugh. in
1: Texas right now, she would be the type of person sitting in a warm house telling people to muscle through it for the economy. That is this type of person. Oh, and it's. And yes. it's like, it, and it, it, it just doing these things without a care in the world because, oh, well, like, and whatever this woman's justification for it is, is, um, even though this child is only, like, three or four years old, like, she gets it, you know? My, um, like, kids will, under, kids have a much deeper capacity for understanding things than I think we give them credit for. Like, m- when my, um, when Katrina oh, hit, yeah. most of my family evacuated to come live with us in Dallas, and, uh, my sister brought her uh, her child, who at the time was, like, two or three, and she was, like, I, this is such a vivid memory for me, I was 10, she was, like, like I said, she was, like, one or two, and she was sitting in the middle of the living room, just talking away, like, doing her own little kid thing, and then she looked straight at me and goes, my house is under the water, and then she went back to playing, like, how did you, what? God! i know oh my god but i mean the fact of it is is that like knowing information will not hurt a child right it's it's the reaction to it
0: i think it's better to know and i think it's definitely the way i think it's all about handling your own anxiety when you're talking to a child too because if you don't give away that you're anxious about it. If you believe that it will work out and for like better or worse, it will, right? Like it's, it's either going to, or it's not. If you don't keep an open communication with them, I think that will kind of breed anxiety and breed this like, Oh, I can't talk about this. Or I, I don't know now that I'm like scared about this, but if you are just like simply discussing it, I think then kids will be like, okay. And there's like more of a freedom to talk and they're not going to like, like, Internalize it more, and I think anytime
1: you keep something a secret, Mm -hmm. it can become very dangerous. So this, so this woman, (laughs) she she sells the kimonos, and they're living off rice.
0: Oh, only Only rice, rice. which is insane. It's like because that's already she's like that's the hard thing too. Is the sister already gets malnourished before she's malnourished, right? Because that's that's not a balanced diet. You can't just eat rice and be Mm -hmm healthy your body needs like different sorts of minerals which is partly on the wartime that they don't have so I can't slowly blame the aunt but it is just like hard is like she was already not set up she was set up to fail there was no way that it was she going, definitely makes yeah. it
1: worse and I think that on top of all of that what you mentioned earlier about you need more than food to live Absolutely applies here. This goes Mm -hmm. back. It's a humanization thing. It's so basic for us to want love and to hold on to memories that even little children crave it. And like it's that experiment where they put the baby monkey in the in the room with the fur-covered mom and then the wire mom with milk. Oh yeah. The monkey will go to the fur-covered one every time because the food at the end of the day, food doesn't matter. It's 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 yeah it's comfort it's comfort Mm -hmm. it's love yeah and and so so she this this woman get just tears into them about how you didn't earn any of this rice you're lucky that
0: but it is their rice though too i thought that was also very interesting because he the brother sticks up and is like no that's my we earned like that's from I don't know if they found it in the rations or it's from their house but it's like so really they're feeding the aunt and the uncle because there is an uh, is there she's got a partner I think we kind I of think, barely I'm see not him. sure
1: whether they're married or whether that's just somebody that she's housing because he's like in the military but there is like a masculine presence in the house that she apparently favors yeah he's very mm-hmm. silent and yeah she's, <laughs> I just can't get over that oh you think you should get rice just because has, but you haven't earned it oh my God. and it's like huh i wonder who uh, that sounds like nowadays hmm
0: i know right i know that was it's so on the nose nowadays it's like and crazy that has that that hasn't changed that is that that is just like something i guess humanity struggles with is this like earn to me the concept of earning food is crazy because you need food to survive so and it's like goes back to i feel like this like toxic social darwinism of like only the fittest survive and like so you're telling me like you so then you basically are no different than a murderer if you think people don't deserve to eat because people need to eat in order to live so if you think that they don't deserve to eat or they didn't earn eating then you believe that they have to die because it's one or the other right like you cannot exist by not eating um it doesn't work that way and then and also like he's like 13 we don't even know what age we know he's young he doesn't even know how to earn the thing no one is teaching him she never if she was like hey you know what Uh, we're we are like on the brink of poverty i need some help right and she showed the brother how to do something, right? How how to go get this money, how to make things better. But she never has like a single teaching mm-hmm. moment with them. She never tells them how to make the situation better. She basically just like bitches at them exactly. essentially.
1: Like it's just nagging and like tearing them down, but she never tells them how to make it right. better. And, and if there was any lesson like buried within that belittling delivery that she has, there's no way that it sticks, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a- that is absolutely narcissist behavior. If, like, where, oh, you know, yeah. you, like to criticize somebody for not being able to do something despite any obstacles that come in their way. And God, and even yeah. like, and so, like, and moving on, like, even when they catch a break, like, even when this kid finally goes, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm going to make my own dinner. Right. It, it, even then, like that, like she still mm-hmm. seems irritated with them. Like she still finds something to be upset about. Yeah, they can't do anything right.
0: They, t- in her eyes, I don't think they can. And the weird thing is that I always think about is like, huh, I. I don't know if she ever would have really kicked them out. She I think she would have just continued berating them because I think she she got something out of this like emotional release on them, of just being like of taking out their her anger on these children. Mm-hmm. I think she got something out of it because they kind of leave of their own accord eventually. She doesn't really ever be like, you have to go. And even when, I feel like there's like a moment of when they do go that there's like a sadness in her voice of like, oh, like she didn't think that they were going to leave. Yeah. Oh no,
1: the objects of my abuse
0: left. What am I gonna do And it's insane to me because it's like well clearly you didn't (laughs) like them. Right? You weren't very nice to them. Of course they wanted to leave. And and they were like even, and it's so hard too because they are stuck. Like they have other their relatives that they they don't know about which is also a big theme in a bunch of other studio ghibli movies like there's like there's like another one i can't remember the title of it but it's about like she goes back and thinks about herself in like fifth grade and stuff and they had like relatives too that like lived in a bigger city or lived in a more rural land and they didn't know they don't know them they like they don't know how to find them which is wild to think I'm very grateful for cell phones now it's like now you can just kind of worse comes worse you do like a DNA test and like you know Absolutely. I mean not that it's cheap yeah. but um
1: right oh I, I did want to uh, just to briefly backtrack a, a tiny bit before mm-hmm. they leave uh, Seiko man- manages to withdraw some money I went ahead and I yeah right, 7,000 7, yen yeah. and I went ahead and I looked into it um I don't I can't account for the inflation because, like, I, I assume, like, this yeah. takes, This does take place during World War II, right? So. Okay, that's what I
0: assumed. I don't know that there's any other war. I was assuming because of the bombs, I immediately thought right. World War II. But I don't know Japanese history enough to say there was not another one right. after that. Right, and um,
1: I, I think that that's, that's right. And so, like, not yeah. counting for inflation, 7,000 yen is only, like, 65 U.S. dollars. So,
0: Yeah, they only buy, like, a stove and an umbrella. I was assuming that it's probably, like, the way that I've always looked at Yen, this is probably so wrong, but I usually, like, you just take off, like, a couple of zero, it's, like, Mm -hmm. 700, right? That's what I'm assuming they probably had, because what is a, a stove is probably still, like, 500 or 200 bucks, and then the umbrella was probably, like, 60, um, and I think they bought like a little bit of other oh, stuff which, too. Like, which a couple by of the paybacks. way, the yeah.
1: umbrella had fucking holes in it. And and it made I know, me so right? happy to be able to walk home and at least have a little bit of shelter for the rain. I ooh man, that 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 was Ugh. another there were many moments that in this movie that kind of broke me, but like this specific sequence plus uh uh oh god damn it. Plus uh Setsuko just Rationing her candy on her own—that—that that killed oh, no. me. I I almost couldn't handle it. I had to I had to pause and be like, okay, it's... this happened a very. <laughs>
0: I can never look at like t- every time I look at like tin candy in the store now. I like I can't. I see that like animation of her her little trembly hand put trying to get it, and like the sound that it makes in the can as it because there's only a few few more left, and then. Uh, and then like one moment where she like cries because two are like stuck together. Oh, it's so, it's so brutal. And that that's like the genius of the Studio Ghibli creators is that they can take like simple moments and they're usually even with like food based and they like make them cinematically so Mm -hmm. powerful it is like and you can't you're like there's so much emotional weight and it's it's just gumdrops right it's just freaking gumdrops and you're like oh my god right you're like crying you're stressed out you have a headache you're like you're freaking out and all it is is this animated drawing of gumdrops and you are feeling all Mm -hmm. of the feels Mm -hmm. insane And the aunt, too, was like, here's this terrible war going on, too, and right even before they leave, she, like, wants the brother to go to war, which is, like, I think if I... Was any family member, that would be, like, the last thing you want to happen, right? You'd be like, no, nah,
1: you should Yes, stay, be safe. Right? I would you rather should... you, like... And, and maybe that's be... The, I, I believe that, like, a, a part of the what's wrapped up in that is a lot of, like, nationalism and fanaticism for the Emperor. And, of course, I'm, yeah. I'm speaking as, you know, a, a white woman in 2020, so <laughs> take all of this with a grain of salt.
0: But mm-hmm. this is,
1: like, that may have contributed to at least a part of it, but... Even that aside, as she's ranting at him, you can just feel Seiko starting to snap. Like he's just holding onto that piano and looking off into space. Like, you know oh, what? Oh, yeah. I, ooh, man. And I, I've never felt like, oh, man, I relate to that. Like, I just remember, yeah. like, just having to hold my tongue around people mm-hmm. like this woman. And 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 he to his credit he stays polite the entire yeah. time even when the, even when they leave he he always like yes yeah. thank you for your hospitality but i think that we're going to live on our own now and later <laughs> bye
0: yeah yeah for real well and
1: that's my thing too is like i think the whole
0: reason the brother doesn't even go and look for anything in the war or like go he doesn't try to To go enlist or get a job is because Mm -hmm. he knows he has to look after his sister, right? He's the only person that she's got left. You can't trust that the aunt was going to do that. Like this is, she, she is all he's got, he's all she's got, right? Like they are codependent and wrapped up into each other. In a mm-hmm. way that is just, it's like necessary at this point. But yeah, and she, I mean, I honestly, I blame the aunt for everything that happened because she killed them. Had she been polite, this whole thing could have been avoided. And it is just that kind of like, that's the power that people have. Like, and I don't think that, I don't know if people truly realize it or like that you have as a family members. Like when you take somebody in, you can make or break the whole trajectory of their life, especially when they're children. Like when you open up your home to somebody That is so important, right? It is so important Mm -hmm. that they feel safe and welcome. Never underestimate the value of being just a good
1: host, right? Like it is so important, and even just the tiny moments of under of, of understanding that you encounter in your day to day life, right? If like if some if even if somebody has a home but they're emotionally going through a hard time or if somebody puts you out because they have stuff going on and they failed to fulfill like their end of the bargain it you have a you always have a choice right it's a choice mm-hmm. to be compassionate um and i don't think that that's a skill that it, it, compassion and empathy man it's it's something that you can absolutely learn you know it's not inherent in all of us because it's very easy to be selfish yeah. you know I, I mean, like, I that this whole past week has been an exercise in compassion for me. Yeah. Right? Do, like, oh, I, I have power, but I don't know how long I'm going to have it. Should I bother inviting my friend over? Like, by the time mm-hmm. he gets here, is the power going to be out? And, like, it, all of the grocery stores are out of protein. How much should we eat, you know? Wow, it's, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, of course, uh, the caveat being, the past week was hell, but it was nowhere near what yeah. these children but still, went through. It's still, like, frightening,
0: right? And it's because we, especially as Americans, we rely on our little comforts. We rely, like, we we leave the bathroom light on, right? And we leave the, you know, the tw- a nightlight on. And we sleep with the television on. And our phones are always charged, right? Like, we, we take advantage of little gifts that, like... There, I remember one of my friends was traveling and they were talking about how this village was like, yeah, we only have electricity from like 10 to 2 p.m. And that's it. And then the rest of the day, you don't have it. So if you didn't do everything you needed to do with electricity for 10 to 2 p.m., that's it. Right. Like that is just Gosh. that. And that's like so different. Right. Like because we we have it. If we don't have it, we gripe to the power company. What are we paying for?
1: Right. Like it is mm-hmm. just so insane absolutely bananas yeah so they thankfully i think for the better they part ways with this woman yeah and there's that whole sequence of them camping has such a lost boys vibe to it oh yeah right and i think that like it's a very childish exercise to imagine like living in the woods when you're a kid right like Mm -hmm. oh man i would love to like live on my own and i wouldn't have to deal with parents and it's like you know okay well Let's, let's play this out. Like, what, what would, what would you do? Like, do you know what you would eat? Where would you sleep? Not even yeah. as an exercise in survival, just, you know, like, a way to get them to think about, like, how... Yeah, what, are
0: you sure? <laughs> are you sure yeah. you're gonna do this? Are you sure you're ready? Yeah, like... Precisely. Yeah, it's not just, like, you can't, you, even if you were gonna go off the grid of anything, or even for, like, camping, it's like, you need to make sure... You can't just go camping with like, whoop! Well, I've got. I'm just, it's just me out here, right? I'm just, mm-hmm. You got to prepare. You've got to bring preparations. And yeah, I mean, they're they're children. This is the whole thing. I mean, I do think that. That sequence with the fireflies when they're sleeping, I mean, it is beautiful. And it makes you, for a moment, be like, oh, it's all worth it, right? Like, it's, like, there's, like, the distraction of nature in this, right? And just, like, the wonderment that kind of keeps you from, like, the cold reality of, like, as beautiful as nature can be, it can also be very brutal.
1: Oh, for Uh, sure. There's, when they're looking out at the lake in the evening and, uh... Uh, Setsuko scratches her back I wanted to die oh. that was it's like yeah well you know no matter how far you run it's always gonna come back back to you Just oh mm-hmm. god oh it's so rough Very and brutal. then I think they learn it's even it's after
0: they've already left their aunt that the sister opens up that she already knew that the mom died right and then we see the brother lose it too and that is so whew, heavy
1: yeah like I'm, I'm certainly not surprised that yeah.
0: Of course, yeah, of course she said that. Of course the aunt did that to her and that she knew, I mean, because they haven't seen her, but it's still, like, it's still heartbreaking. I think it's just more heartbreaking from the brother's perspective, honestly, because then he's finally got to grieve it, right? He's been keeping up this, like, kind of this fantasy phantom of his mother alive, right, in his mind of telling his sister right. that oh yeah you know like he's been able and then when she knows there's no use in pretending anymore he's got to lose it he has to if his little sister grows up then obviously he has to grow up because he's the older one too oh so it just is it's all downhill from mm-hmm. here you guys <laughs> so
1: man god like and, and this was this was sort of the point where i realized that well uh it, this is there's there is no limit to human despair like we I know, know. <laughs> which i'm I, I, sorry i know i'm supposed to be the comic relief but ugh, like there's like it's it's so it, it's so shocking to me also to just look at like it, it like in the next sequence whenever um, whenever they they leave their little camp that they've made and those little boys run into mm-hmm. their cave and kind of like mock their camp and stuff i it's it, it's so, it, because it's, it's oh, like, these kids, like, the, the two main characters are one thing, but children can be remarkably cruel, too, and they've grown up yeah. in the system and have benefited from it, and it's already making the influence clear, you know, like, it's, you can, like, you can start mm-hmm. the, like, it starts from a very early age, like, learning about your values and, and so forth. Oh, I, I yeah.
0: do, oh, I'm sorry. Well, and then when you're a kid, too, I don't, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're a kid, going back to like those boys making fun of the camp, right? They don't, they don't believe that there's this malnourished brother and sister living there alone, orphan, right? They're just like, oh, it's a camp, right? Nothing is serious. They don't. I think sometimes children are cruel because they don't understand the consequences of words. Like it, it is kind of this debate of like I, this debate that's happening about like hate speech, right? And it's like, actually, yeah, like words can be hurtful and very damaging. Like this narcissistic aunt, case in point, but. I think kids—they're like they didn't—they don't understand. These kids didn't know when they were making fun of. I think if they knew, they probably would have been real solemn real quick. But they didn't know. They're just like, oh, this weird camp. They're eating frog legs. Mm-hmm. Ha ha.
1: And I, I do wonder. Like I kind of like to think that. Oh, when they went in the cave and that one kid said that he saw a ghost. I really like to think that it was the mom's spirit just kind of hanging out by the rocks right? and protecting the camp while they were gone. Like, who are oh, who is this love bird that. lady? Yes. Jeez!
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, and then I think he goes, because he keeps trying to like, the brother keeps trying to go and buy stuff. And then this one farmer is like... And I, I always think this is such a pivotal moment because the things that people say about, like, your survival rate, like, have an effect. Because the one, like, farmer that he's talking to is like, yeah, you're not going to be able to survive without the system, right? Like, you can't. It's it's going to be impossible. You need to go back to your aunt. And, like, he doesn't. And this, like, this moment of, two of, like, when he's probably dying as an older, like, homeless man, does he think back to this moment? It was like, I should have, like risked it and went back to the ant, right? Should I have made this choice? Was it I wrong to keep living out in nature, trying to do it outside? And it just, like, hits me. But I also wonder, like, had the farmer encouraged him and been more optimistic would he have found different ways of doing it or like uh just that it's like one of those like choices in the movie where it was like i think the brother probably chose wrong as awful and hard as it was and yeah it's yeah in, it's in that situation
1: tough. i think that right like especially for the farmer right he says he tells them to swallow mm-hmm. their pride And it's almost like like pride is not like the issue, right? It's It's, not one hundred percent the
0: issue. No, it's like a little bit. It's a little bit because it is. There, there does take some self confidence to be able to walk away from a narcissist and be like, "You don't get to treat me like this." There is Mm a amount of pride in there, but that's healthy. But it's not just like solely that, obviously. Right.
1: I and I will say that uh, as nice as the farmer was to sell to them when he could, he says. I don't have any rice to sell, sitting in front of a field of rice. Yeah. Right? And it's, this will come up again later, but Mm. part of the own, I think that the majority of the onus does fall on the farmer because even though he's telling them, hey, look, you got to go back, he also could have made a choice there, right? Um,
0: But people are greedy, you know? And yeah. (laughs) And I
1: don't know what the
0: rules are. I know, I do think that wartimes are particularly strict on agriculture. I think sometimes, like, you can't, like, all crops have to be given to the government to ration out. Like, I think there is some sort of rule, and, like, you can't, you, like, maybe he could have shared his own, like, personal allotted thing, or if he had any extra... But I think that, like, the whole thing was that there was a scarcity so that he might, like, while he is in this field of rice, I don't know if that rice technically, even if he gives this rice to these kids, he's fined by the government. And then he he's, you know, then, then there's this whole thing, then he's in a pickle, then he can't care for the the rest of the community because now he's got to figure out how to appease the government which punishes them which is insane you know that's why mm-hmm. i'm sometimes a little bit about uh i'm a little bit more for decentralization of government sometimes because it's like giving the
1: government too much control gets crazy like this but um for sure and, and especially like in situations where it is like moment by moment right yeah like in in this next sequence right we see him walking with his sister and he's walking away from the farmer, and he has to dive into a tomato field to avoid bullets, which, yeah. I don't know, maybe a 14-year-old kid shouldn't have to do, but that's <laughs> beside the point. And I, like, I cannot, and, and also as a side note, I can't imagine being so hungry that I bite into a tomato like it's an apple. That's yeah. that's the true horror <laughs> of this, um... I've been um, that hungry this. before. I've definitely done that. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yeah. So, anyway, so he's he realizes that, okay, well, maybe I... Maybe theft isn't such a bad thing, right? Um, yeah. And this is another example, I think, of like individual choices being very important, regardless of how fucked up the system is, right? He, this, this guy is, yeah. You know he 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 follows Sato back after he catches him stealing sugarcane, and
0: and he the, beats the crap oh out of he like, ugh. Oh. It's brutal and it's long. It's long. I feel like even in this movie, like, it, and it's not like a, it's not like a cutesy battle, you know, like where he's gonna try. It is just like a brutal, masculine beating, and I'm like, I've survived like a little bit of like abuse like that, and it, it is, it's triggering. Like it is a lot. Man, I'm sorry.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and you were, yeah, you were absolutely a... correct. It's, it is brutal, and and even more so because. Like, I can't understand how you can look at two crying children living in a swamp and not ask questions. One is
0: covered with rashes. (laughs) One is literally just, like, has all of these terrible rashes on her. You can see it on her face, right? It's not, she doesn't look like, she's not like a smiling little American girl doll, right? This girl is, like horror movie special effects right like
1: but real life the argument of like standing your ground and defending your property absolutely goes out of the window when you realize that these that there there's nothing about the situation that like i don't understand how it can't you pause and like think for a moment
0: I know. I mean, this guy was a bad guy and I honestly, it made me feel so crappy about the American police system when that guy takes him to jail and the cops, the Japanese cops are like, well, you, this boy is beaten up and I would call that assault, wouldn't you? And then the guy's like, oh, okay, I'll drop the charges. Right. And I was like, I feel like in America, they would have just booked the brother. They would have not thought twice that they're like, oh, he was stealing on your land. Okay. That's it. He goes to jail. Right. And I loved in, in this society, in these cops, they were like, no. Right. They were like, actually, maybe you should be the one going to jail because you beat up a minor. <laughs> right. Like, but,
1: and but then like the, the, the issue with that then is that the, the cop doesn't follow through, like he does not make good on that. Right. And the no. only thing that he can do for Seta is to like, hey, you want a cup of water? I'll let you go. You know? Like I I think that that, like there like this there are several good examples of this in this movie of somebody being of, of somebody practicing complicit behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Um, which, and of course, like, we are all limited in our power to do stuff, right? Like, I I mentioned that I live very close to a homeless population. And I don't think that the best way for me to help is to open up my home to these people, right? Like, there are are other ways that we can help to fix the system. Mm -hmm. And there's...
0: Well, and it's so yeah, it's so hard about opening your home to a homeless person because I think about that all the time. Because, but then you have this risk too. Is like, do I open my home and then I'm stolen from? And you know, and it's not something that I feel like you cannot not think right. It, it is a risk. You don't know this person that you've met on the street, essentially, right? You don't know, and there, and you. I also understand because it's like they are in a desperate situation, right? That's like exactly like this brother was in a desperate situation, so he stole, and that, and that stealing made sense because he is in such a desperate situation so it's like that really hard thing and it's like but i also if i had somebody in my home i don't want to like watch them all the time like the aunt right and like be right and not make them feel
1: like they can relax which is what they need yeah there there's a there's a pretty common argument that gets bandied about in dallas and i see it a lot on facebook groups for this neighborhood that where people talk about like oh god i remember this (sighs) like in this one specific instance this person had moved here from the suburbs or whatever and he was so upset that on his walk to work he had to pass by a group of homeless people living under a bridge can't the police take them away somewhere and it's 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 like and, and then like a lot of people chimed in and said you know um maybe maybe that's not the way to approach this you know, yeah. and, and, but even, but, you know, even though those people were advocating for like homeless individuals, there would there would be other people who would comment and say, well, what are we supposed to do with them? I want to see you open up your home to somebody. And it's like, you know what, that argument's like fine to you know wave around just as a way to make people feel guilty about not being able to contribute yeah. individually but there are other methods to this solution that don't involve treating yeah. human like cattle sorry for
0: sure <laughs> i mean i think a huge part of it is most of these people are on the street due to mental health issues and we do not have a good mental health care facility in america right. like 50 years ago we were giving lobotomies we are not there we are not and we need to there and there's an evident need that there needs to be something done like there something has to be done and it's just like and it's not it's it's really hard cuz it's going to have to be people who are educated in the field of mental health who have money who have the time who are going to have to also be creative we're probably also going to have to come together as a community like there it's very hard to help this problem because it's not like they're just there's only one individual who's homeless the homeless has become a community Mm -hmm. right like there there are several individuals that are homeless so it is going to take several people to get people out of this problem Mm -hmm. and and to prevent it too to have more steps that we don't have people automatically going on the street people need to know where they
1: can go and be safe and qualify right Uh, oh man well, it, well. Needless to say, so once Sato gets out of the police station, and thank God that that man was at least a little nice to him, he,
0: yeah, some kindness. It's I guess the kindness to me gets so blown up because no one has been kind right? for like a straight hour <laughs> at this point, right? <laughs> Like no one has been even nice for a really long time. And I was like, that policeman, he was so God, nice. God, it it's the it's the equivalent boy, right? it's the equivalent of <laughs> sucking
1: like meat off of a chicken wing bone. Really it is. That's yes. all that's left. Sorry. But he needless to say, Saito is just he just breaks down, and the only thing his sister does was, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Can do do we need to go to a doctor? Which makes him cry more. And oh. I do think that this is I'm not saying it's not good that he cries but it is good that we see him cry because so many like so many boys who are depicted in animation in that demographic are like daring or cool or but we don't ever really see them break down like um, like in How to Train Your Dragon there are some heavy moments and this this poor uh, oh whatever his name is. Is it hiccup?
0: Hiccup, hiccup, yep. Hiccup. It is hiccup.
1: Yeah. He like he feels like throughout the course of the movie, like you see he feels left out, he feels ostracized and mm-hmm. all that stuff, but he never has a mental breakdown. Yeah. And it's I think that in a way it's it's a good thing, especially for other teenage boys to see, because, you know, if
0: It's natural, right? Like yeah. and it's fun and it's like crying and masculinity to me aren't related. Like I I don't obviously no human being wants to be around somebody that just like cries all the time right for you don't want like the the boy who cried wolf right you don't want this person that's just like using their tears to manipulate right or like but but most of the time I think men cry is because they genuinely have a reason to cry and I mean like there's there's a lot of reasons to cry in the world nowadays this whole movie um, is cry worthy
1: (laughs) (laughs) right and I know so many men like are like in their twenties or like even older who admit that oh I have a problem where yeah. I cannot cry, you know like and it's it's almost like someone beat it into them or demonstrated that it was a bad thing to do, and I mean even like I'm not a man but when I was younger like I was called a cry that was my yeah. thing was I was called a crybaby and then it kind yeah and it kind of became this thing where it was like oh. I guess because I'm sad, that means something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's not it's
0: not a good thing, you know? Uh, well, and the whole thing, too, with, like, women, too, is, like, we have... I know people hate to hear this, but it's, like, it's the truth. Is like, our menstrual cycles influence our emotions so much. Like, we are a little bit biologically different. We are a little more sensitive to the world around us because of our... And that's like kind of our strength and power in a way. That's why I don't believe in like shaming it or like making somebody feel bad because a woman is more emotional usually. I mean, I think there are some men that are also just as emotional as women usually are. You know, like people have different strengths sometimes, but I would find maybe more women I think are usually more emotionally intuitive. But it's, you know, it's also... I feel like there are so many times as a woman, and I've noticed it in my other female friends, where you get this like gut feeling of something that's going to happen, but you don't have enough logic. And it's almost like the sixth sense. And I feel like it's all like related Mm -hmm. to that. And so, and I feel like men, and and I don't know if it's because it's so hard now because biologically and, like, society and science are all tied up together, right? And so now I can't tell what is biological and what is, like, culture-based in men, right? What is... Are men really not that emotional? Or have we just told men that they weren't emotional for so long that that is what they became and that they adapted, right? Like, were women always this Mm. emotional? Or did we just
1: tell women that they were so emotional for so long that they adapted? Right. And I mean, even if you, Mm. like... You know, I for me, I always joke that oh, I'm a Pisces. I just feel a lot, yeah. right? But it's it's really just that you know I I absolutely agree. It's like it's it's just part and parcel with being a human. I think like we're such we're such yeah. social creatures, and especially this last year has proven this. We're such social creatures mm-hmm. that it is both like gender construct and biology that kind of makes us you know this way mm-hmm. but, uh, but yes that yeah yes generally yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but then uh another thing that i thought was wild like kind of going on boys being daring that it was like the brother had to like go back during when things were being bombed and he's like going and rummaging through houses like that's des- that desperate there is like all of this danger happening where it's very unsafe he could die right And, but he's going for stuff because I guess he's going to die anyway. Like, it's kind of the damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And it's just like
1: insane. It is so insane. Like him laughing as he runs through the firefight and just (laughs) running off the pure manic adrenaline of I'm escaping death. Weehee! You know, that (laughs) was like, it, it, it was, again, this is another moment it
0: was mm-hmm. jarring. I mean, it was jarring, but it was also, like, you couldn't mm-hmm. look away, right? Yeah, and
1: very, like, and again, that other Lost Boys vibe where, oh, man, he's gonna beat the system. He's gonna make it, you know? And then... Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, the doctor. God. The doctor. Like, most doctors, God. honestly, I feel he, like, unfortunately. Like, I would love to see, like, <sighs> he was just so deadpan with his delirium. Oh, yeah, she's malnourished. Probably because of the diarrhea. I'd love for him to, I'd love to see him diagnose a cancer patient like, oh, you're withering away? That's probably the cancer. You know, (laughs) like, (laughs) you're like, yeah, duh. And, the, and then, uh, and it's so
0: hard, too, because it's, like, this doctor pretty much just tells him what we already know. We already know this. The brother already knows it. Probably the sister already knows it. We already, there's there's nothing new gained from here. And he, and he like, does, like, break down, and he actually, like, goes and, like, yells at him, and he's like, well, what am I supposed to do, right? Like, how, she's malnourished. There's no food. There's nothing that I can do. There's no recommendation, and and it's crazy. Like, I and I wonder now if Japan is any different that they have, do they have like resources like America? Because I know even though America's resources are by no means amazing, but they're still like, you could get food from a shelter. I mean, there's usually, I think only... A little bit, there's not there's only like a certain amount from each shelter, unfortunately. But you can you can usually go somewhere and get food. And it seems like during this movie and during this time period in the movie, that right. wasn't an option. There was nothing. Uh, cool.
1: I, it, I definitely agree. I think that there's like I, I don't know about the cultural aspect of it, but I think like regardless of whether those resources were actually available to him, there's definitely a common thread of shaming people for being a quote unquote leech, right? And this is Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like a like you you a mooch. Scrub. Right. And and this is this is yeah. definitely this is like the third or fourth person that we've met yeah. in the system who just. And I mean, to the doctor's credit, he looks exhausted. I can't imagine how many dead and dying children he sees in a yeah. day. But it's, you know, like, it, it's, again, it's like the cop, right? It still sort of doesn't justify your reaction to experiencing mm-hmm. suffering. And it's almost like, at this point in the movie, there's nothing to rage against. I, you know, it, if the war, like, we find out that the war has ended. But business is sort of carrying on as usual, you know? People are still trudging to the bank in their lines. They're still going to the doctor and stuff. And even, like, people are... Apparently, going back mm-hmm. to their summer homes, whew, you know, there's this is this is the point in the movie where things are yeah. the definition of hopeless, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it pretty much ends on that note because it's like, oh, that moment where she's like chewing on a marble because she's so. She's so sick and delirious. She thinks it's candy, oh. you know, and it's also like a fake psych out too. The studio give you, is going to just jab you and jab you and jab you at the very end. It's like, so first we think she's going to die from the marble. No, no, no. She is going to die though. Right? It was like, cause you think for a moment, oh, he saved her, right? And he's got her this watermelon and that watermelon I think has looked like the best watermelon I've ever seen in my life
1: and it still doesn't even save her and it's not oh. fair. And it's, it's just brutal. Man. Uh one of the Tumblr posts that lives in my head rent free is one that went viral in, like, uh, oh god, this was ages ago. This was back when Tumblr was good. Um, but it just a yeah. compilation of like Studio Ghibli gifts that were like food gifts from all of these yeah. movies, and that watermelon one was in there. And it oh, only—it's
0: so juicy oh, and gla- Oh, it's beautiful. Man. It is really beautifully
1: illustrated. It's... And and it just that just makes what happens in the next minute all the more awful spoiler alert the sister doesn't make it Um, i don't know if the bones at the beginning of the movie gave it away (laughs) that's that's the other thing about this movie too it never lies to you it never makes you think that things are going to be better because it tells you the ending right up at the top
0: But you also believe, what's so crazy is that you do believe it's going to get better at several points. You Mm -hmm. fall into it. You're like, no, no, they're going to make it, right? Even though you saw it at the top, which is very hard for a movie to do. There are so many movies I'm like, I wish they didn't do that because... I, don't, I didn't get invested. In this movie, I was like, even though I knew that was him at the beginning, I was like, no, he's gonna, that's gonna be fine. It's gotta be fine, right? It's gotta be fine. No. And it's not. It's never. No. And I mean, yeah. much
1: like death in real oh. life, it will happen inevitably. And I think that it, it really speaks to Sato's commitment that he doesn't give up after she dies. He follows through with giving her a proper cremation, doing right by her up to the very end. Mm-hmm. And even like, and and I even thought that it was sort of like it tied it together, his interaction with this final person who's a part of the system, the charcoal salesman. He's just very pleasantly, or, or I don't know if he was like a funeral sale or like if he was involved in like funerals or whatever, but he just gives yeah. him very pleasant advice about how to deal with a dead body. And I don't know yeah. if you've ever buried a loved one, but that's you know, that's part and parcel of, like, the process, you know? It's... Casual isn't the right word, but mechanical, I think, is a better... Because Mm -hmm. it's just dealing with a body. Because death itself is not important at that point. It's really much more about how those who are alive are handling it. And he does, you know, he goes through the motions. Right. And, yeah, and and that is, you know, it, it feels like a... It almost feels like things are resolved until we're seeing like until we're shown this massive just wealth gap of those three daughters running into this oh it's our summer home <laughs> slow pan over the lake to yeah. the ghost of the girl just doing mm-hmm. sad <laughs> things and it yeah oh this it,
0: this oh. movie says so much it says god oh so much
1: man um it is a, a beautiful juxtaposition between like It it is, it is a beautiful ending, but not, not good.
0: (laughs) It's not happy. Yeah, it's not necessarily a happy ending, but it is like, it's a powerful ending. It has, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a statement, right? It doesn't, it's not maybe going for the popular, you're not going to be like, you respect this ending, right? You don't love it, right? You don't want to, you don't maybe want to do this to yourself every day, but you like, it stays with you. It has an impact. So, yeah. So, is there anything else you'd like to say about the movie Absolutely. or anything you'd like to plug to? Thank you so much for coming on. You were so, oh, I learned so much and it was so much fun to talk about you. Also, your animation voices are perfect. I oh, hope thank you are a voice you. actor as well. Like,. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. Um, I actually, I have, uh, one credit in, an anime. Mm. Um, it's called Dancing Under the Clouds. I play, yes. um, uh, I play Kidnapped Girl and Amazing Toddler Boy. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you. So yeah. I, um, I'm trying, but, you You'll know, that's, I think you that's as far as I've you gotten got so there. far. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. As far as plugging anything um unfortunately no just because of the pandemic I don't perform perform live at the moment but Mm-hmm. I'll attach
0: all your links and stuff up below so that they can still they can follow you for when you when pandemic is oh, over thank you. Um, <laughs> oh
1: one thing I would like yeah. to plug Um, I didn't uh, I'm going to be writing a small series for the TV watching club uh, which was started by my friend and colleague Sarah Adams hi Sarah if you're listening you're awesome and the series is going to be about anime right and sort of like a primer of okay well if you like this type of western show then you will probably like this type of anime in case you wanted to try to get into it like if you're intimidated by the genre or if you don't want to you know get into the whole weeb thing which is i'm a weeb it's totally understandable i get you but uh just for a taste uh (laughs) my first piece is going to be about attack on titan the finale of which is coming out uh i believe that it's uh coming out in america within the next three months or so so um it is a big deal for us (laughs) so yeah. Um thank you so much for having yes. me on. Um That's this awesome. was yeah, this was wonderful. I hope that I get to do it again with you yeah, soon. Yeah,
0: thanks for coming. Absolutely. What a lovely guest for a very sad movie. Anyway, you guys, I had a very exciting announcement to make. We're also now besides being on Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, Facebook, we are now also on Podbean. Podbean has been a leader in the field of podcasting for over 10 years, developing innovative tools for podcasters and listeners. In addition to podcast hosting and monetization, Podbean has developed one of the top apps for Android and iPhone. Yes, that's right. You heard me correctly. Android and iPhone. No warring between the two. Podbean is invadable on both. The Podbean app has over 1,000 installs and is growing fast. It is a super bunch of installs. I can't even pronounce the number, you guys. I am also so super tired. But yes, check out Podbean as another listening thing. It's an app right on your phone. It's easy. You don't have to get all distracted like by some of the other ones. You don't have to be like, I'm done listening to this podcast. I can put off my future and my fun and and my learning. And uh, uh, I'll click over and listen to some music. You can just listen to podcasts and get it done. Uh, So check out Mouthy on Podbean and check out Podbean for yourself. And remember that you can click on any of my links below to support me. I hope you're doing well and staying safe in these times. Thanks so much.